G'day friends, welcome back. Uh, today we are doing chapter 11 of The Mandalorian, the new episode that just came out tonight, and it was a ripper. I was a little bit worried when I saw that it was shorter again than last week's episode, as last week's episode was to the episode before that, but it was just fine. In fact, it was more than fine. It was sublime. Uh, so in case you missed it, last week's episode of The Mandalorian, we saw uh, Mando and the frog lady and the child uh, trying to get the frog lady and her little baby eggs to the planet of Trask. Uh, and then they ended up getting stuck on a, another ice planet in this cave where they had to deal with you know, big ice spiders and all sorts of other problems, but they sorted all that out now, and this episode sees them on their way to the planet of Trask, and so much great, delicious, fan-servicey things happen in this episode. I can't wait to tell you all about it. Let's get into it. <laughs> Spoilers, obviously. As with every new episode of The Mandalorian, this has just come out tonight. So if you haven't caught it yet, I'm going to be saying all manner of spoilery things. So you are warned. Right. So pretty much what this whole episode was, was everybody being wrong about what we saw in the trailer. <laughs> no, I mean a little bit. Lots of things were like, oh, that's not what anyone thought at all. Um... So in this episode, so this is what I've been waiting for. This is what fans of the other Star Wars shows, the animated shows, have been waiting for. This episode was fantastic. So we start off with the wrecked and battered, barely still all stuck together ship with Mando and the child and the frog lady trying to get to this planet where she can have her eggs. Um... They, the, the, one of the very, very first shots in the whole episode just made me smile. It's, it, everyone is asleep in the cockpit, but the way that baby Yoda is sleeping, by the way, I'm going to be less hard on myself about calling him baby Yoda versus the child. I'm going to try to keep calling him the child because that's technically his name. And if I want to be any kind of authority on like what is Star Wars, I should probably call him the right thing but it is sometimes just easier to call him Baby Yoda. Anyway, he is sitting in his chair, like, he's asleep, but he's, like, cross-legged, and it looks exactly how Yoda would sit when he was meditating. He's, like, his knees out, feet together. Really, really, <coughs> excuse me, really, really cute little thing that just very much made me think of Yoda. I really like that. So the way that they get onto the planet is kind of funny. Mando's ship is so wrecked, 
from all the spiders and such from the previous episode that he can't land it properly. So pretty much what he does is he gets into the planet's atmosphere and then he just turns the ship off and he just lets them plummet like a little meteorite all the way down to the surface, which is quite funny. Um, they And then he just uses the last little bit of fuel to just stop them right before they hit the, hit the ground or hit the water, as it were. And, and then they still end up falling in the water, which is pretty funny. And then, so, and then, this is, so then we get the opening credits. We get the, the title of the episode, The Heiress, which I will explain uh, in a bit. Um, after, the, after the opening credits, we get this shot of the, of the Razor Crest, the ship being pulled out of the water by this big crane thing. And the crane is like on what looks like a repurposed, 8080. It sounded like I said 8080. AT8 you know, those things. I repurposed set of the legs. Like the big four. The big uh, the big four legs. The adats are the big walkers that we get in Hoth on Empire Strikes Back. It looks like they've just repurposed one of those, put a big crane on top. So that was cool. Um this planet that they're on, or technically it's a moon, it's called Trask, and it's a water planet. And it looks like, uh, even though it is not their home world, that it is largely inhabited by the aquatic species of Mon Calamari and the Quaran, which, uh, uh, like their home world, is Mon Calamari, both those species. And when, when all of this was shown in the trailer, everyone's like, oh, the water planet's going to be Mon Calamari. So that was the first thing that everyone got wrong. This the, this water planet is the moon of Trask, and even though all the people who seem to live there are from Mon Calamari, the planet is not Mon Calamari, so that was one thing we got wrong. Um, Frog Lady and her husband get reunited, and it's just the cutest thing ever. She, she's now one of my favourite characters that we've seen in the entire run of this show. She's great. Like, a character that we can't even understand, and, you know... Doesn't even look like kind of like we can't even understand her facial expressions. She looks so unhuman like. She is just absolutely adorable. When her and her husband see each other across the dock and they, they run and they hug and hold hands and it's, it's it just warms your soul. It's very, very cute. Um so true to their word, the husband points Mando in the direction of people who might know where some Mandalorians are. Uh, he goes into this inn, talks to the guy who runs it. He sends him in the direction of another guy. While all this is happening, the child is eating some chowder and and it starts to move. And then following on from all the sort of alien, connect, as in the movie Alien, connections we had in the previous episode, this little squid thing jumps up out of the baby Yoda's food and just attaches itself to his face like a face hugger from Alien. That's exactly what it looked like. And I thought that was interesting that they're following on that little Easter egg. Because in the previous episode, we had all the little eggs that were attached to the floor of the cave that turned out to be all the little baby spiders. And they looked exactly like the eggs from Alien. And now we've carried that on to this episode where we've got this face hugger jumping out of his chowder and attaching to his face, which I thought was pretty funny. We're really running with the theme of Baby Yoda's eating habits. Like maybe if, do you, maybe the whole thing about Yoda's species is they're just malnourished. Maybe if they actually ate as much as they're supposed to eat, they would grow to be the size of normal people. Who knows? 
Who knows? But I definitely think Mando needs to feed Baby Yoda more. Um, I think we. I think the theory also that I saw during the week a lot of people are thinking that the child was not eating the eggs. He was maybe storing them in his stomach, like incubating them or protecting them in some way. But I think now we can definitely say he was definitely eating them because when they arrive, he's still staring at them. And then he looks up at Mando. Mando looks at him and goes, I know you're hungry, which means there's been a little nonverbal communication there. He's gone to his dad. He's like, I want to eat more of those eggs. And he goes, no, no, no. I know you're hungry. We'll find you some food. So I think it is definitely confirmed that there was 100% malicious intent by Baby Yoda when he was eating those eggs. 100%. Anyway. So, uh, Mando is introduced to this Quarren, which are these, you know, these species with the big tentacles sort of coming out of their chin, sort of squid-looking dudes. And... They say they're going to take him to some Mandalorians. This is a lie. This is a big, big lie. They take him out on their sort of fishing ship. And they open up the center of their boat because they're going to feed this big monster. Who knows why? This big sea creature. A mama core, it's called. And they, these mother, they, 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 this dude, he knocks Baby Yoda's little floating crib right into the water right into the mouth of this creature. And then, you know, Mando dives in after it. I'm like, oh my God, this got crazy. How dare you feed baby Yoda to the bloody sea monster? I got so upset. And then, you know, man, they shut the cage again over the boat and then Mando's stuck in the water and he can't breathe and he doesn't know how to save the child and it's very stressful. And then Bo-Katan shows up. As soon as I saw her very distinctive helmet her blue armor as soon as i saw oh, as soon as i saw her i i got so excited and i got like i did not expect to see her in this episode i was honestly surprised so the the character played by sasha banks who we saw in the trailer everyone thought that was going to be sabine including me turns out it's not sabine uh her she isn't she is another mandalorian though uh, her character's name is Cosca Reeves. And then we've got the other fellow whose name is Axe Woves. So there's this little trio of Mandalorians who are operating on this planet for the time being. But their leader is Bo-Katan, the lady with the red hair. And I imagine for a lot of people who haven't seen the Clone Wars, Clone Wars or Rebels, this is going to be a little confusing as to who she is. But you know what I love to do? I love to provide contact context i'm so excited i can't even speak context so let me do that let me have a drink first and catch my breath okay so bo-katan technically i believe is the rightful ruler of mandalore currently now there is a lot of context around that so she is the sister of Duchess Satine, who was the ruler of Mandalore during the Clone Wars. She was a pacifist, right? She was not about, she didn't want Mandalore to get involved in the Clone Wars. She was not about violence. She had a 
somewhat romantic relationship with Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is a fun fact, and she was killed by Darth Maul when he took over Mandalore, right? And because she was a pacifist, the splinter group was formed called Death Watch, which are these Mandalorians who are very much all about the old ways. And Death Watch is who she makes reference to when she says to Mando, or you're one of the Watch. That's who she's talking about, right? So Death Watch are the ones... We, we actually already knew this. We knew from the flashback footage in Season 1 that it was Death Watch... Death Watch? Excuse me. That it was Death Watch who um, adopted young Din Djarin, Mando. Uh, and, and, yeah, and they are very much about the old ways, right? But not showing your face. This is the way, all of that, right? Whereas... Bo-Katan and all of, all of the other ones who are sort of in, excuse me, in support of Satine, they're like, they are still great warriors and they are very loyal to each other. They still do all of that, but they don't feel the need to like always have your face covered up, you know, have these mantras, whatever, all of that. Um, where was I going with this? Yeah. And so... When Satine, Duchess Satine, was killed towards the end of the Clone Wars, it was really Bo-Katan became the leader of the Mandalorian people. And something that has always, that is, well, not always, but for a long time has been synonymous with the leader of Mandalore is the Darksaber. The Darksaber is the black, flat-bladed, lightsaber that we saw at the end of season one in possession of uh, um, in possession of Moff Gideon so all Bo-Katan is trying to do is she's trying to get her hands on the darksaber again the last time we saw it before we saw it in last season it was in her possession uh, in one of the seasons one of the episodes of of Rebels right so she had it we don't know how he's ended up with it but he has it and she wants it back so that she can reunite the Mandalorian people and sort of get their whole civilization back up and running. And that is the whole deal with her. And no, I won't get into that yet. I'll, wait. I'll talk a bit more about that next week when we uh, get the character that we now know we're going to get in next week's episode. So oh, I'll say as well, every single scene where there these little this little trio of Mandalorians is fighting, kicking butt. The music is amazing. I do not even know how to describe the music in this episode, as in what genre it would fit into. I believe it is, like, I believe you would call it techno, but it, it is so much more than that. It is, it, it's, it's, I honestly have absolutely no idea what genre to categorize this music under, but it's fucking awesome. It is exhilarating and it somehow perfectly fits the, the action that you're watching. Every fight's in there involved in. Anyway, so Bo-Katan, Koska Reeves and Axe Woves, they, they, you know, they land on the boat. They save Mando. They save the child from the, you know, the sea monster creature. And he's like, oh shit, some Mandalorians. This is great. And then as he's speaking... They take their helmets off. He's like, whoa, you guys aren't Mandalorians. You just took your helmets off. And that's when they, you know, 
That's when she goes, oh, you're one of the watch. He goes, the what? Because he was just a kid. He doesn't know what they are or what they were called. To him, that's all he ever knew, right? So this episode is very much about him learning that there is a little bit more Mandalore than he knows. Like the Mandalore people are not just what he's been exposed to. And I really, really like that he spends a good chunk of this episode learning that. That while these guys are not, you know, they don't follow the code to a T like he does, that they're still alright. He can still get along with them, you know, and he can still consider them Mandalorians. That's kind of his learning curve for this episode. So they, they go back to the port and bo like, alright, well, so, so Mando actually explains his mission. I'm taking this child to the Jedi so that together we can help find his people. Right? That's my, I have been quested, is what he keeps saying. And Bo-Katan, if you have seen the other content involving her, she very much knows who the Jedi are, and she knows some Jedi personally still. So she says, all right, you help us do this little mission that we have to do, and I'll take you to the Jedi, or at least I'll point you in the direction of the Jedi, right? So their mission is to hijack this um, Empire freighter, right? They're, they're transporting a whole bunch of weapons, and our Mandalorian friends want to stop them, right? So they go and do this, and this whole sequence where they hijack the freighter is awesome, right? Again, we get more of this awesome, awesome music. The action is excellent, but not so... The way you can tell when action is really good is when there's great storytelling embedded in it as well. So as they're working their way through this ship to take control of it, they're moving through these hallways, they're cutting down useless stormtroopers, right? The way that the three Mandalorians, as in Bo-Katan, Reeves and Woves, move together, they are a team, right? They work really well together. Now, it's not really fair to criticise... Mando's performance in this fight because he hasn't ever worked with them before but you can it, I think it's done deliberately the three of them move with a lot of purpose they know exactly what they're doing they are their synergy is really really on point right every part of the hallway that they move through they move through is a trio and then Mando's sort of following behind and he's like checking some of the bodies to make sure that they're really dead he's like he keeps turning around and make sure they're not being chased or anything. He's very sort of on edge, whereas the three of them are so, excuse me, the three of them are so sure of themselves. And I think that is sort of, you know, they're trying to use this episode to show us that, like, there's, there's the way that Mando does the Mandalorian thing and there's the way that these guys do the Mandalorian thing. Is that what I'm trying to say? I don't really know what I'm trying to say. Mando is just out of sync with the way that they are doing things. That's a better way to say it. But by the end of this sequence, he's very much willing to just go all in and be a part of their team and help them. He does this at the end in a big way. Um, They they get through a big chunk of the ship. Now it's just the, the bridge that they have to take and... There's this moment where they're sort of stopped before they move through and take the rest. And 
Bo-Katan says that they're actually going to take the whole ship and steal it, which was not the original plan. They were just going to take the cargo. And Mando gets a bit frustrated. He's like, no, no, this was not the deal. This is more than I signed up for. They had this argument. And then there's this great moment where Bo-Katan throws his mantra in his face. She just like sort of sneers at him and goes, she goes, this is the way. Like sort of, like this is the way we're doing things, you know. If it was you running the show, you'd just go, this is the way. And she just, she just like throws it right in his face. And you're just like, ugh, how dare you? You don't even know him. He's the man. How dare you? And then they sort of, you know, they move on through the rest of the ship. The, the captain of the ship, he gets a call from Moff Gideon, um, the guy who actually has the dark saber. He knows that it's Mandalorians taking the ship. He's like, <laughs> he pretty much says, you guys are absolutely fucked. We're not sending back up. Crash the ship so they don't get anything, right? And so that's what the guy's trying to do. They get up to the bridge. They're able to stop him, stop the ship from crashing, saving their own lives, obviously. And there's this really cool moment, actually, where the captain is, you know, Bogotan's like, you're going to take me to Moff Gideon. Right? And, he, and he goes, all right, well, you may let me live so I can do that, but there's no way that he's going to let me live when we get there. And then he bites down on his tooth and he gets like electrocuted all through his head and he dies. It's like Star Wars version of the cyanide capsules that, you know, that the Nazis would use or that, you know, other people have used throughout history, throughout the Cold War and stuff. It's a really... Because obviously the Empire was very often compared to the Nazi regime. Same with the First Order, right? There's lots of Nazi imagery in the, in the more recent films. So I like that there's that little Star Wars version of the, of the cyanide tooth that they would use to stop themselves from being captured or interrogated or whatever. Um... So, you know, Bo and her team, they do take the ship and they go off and do their own thing. Mando goes, no, 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 i got my own shit i got to do. I'm going to go back and get the child and keep looking for the Jedi. And she goes, well, you know, if you want to, if you change your mind, the deal still stands. If you want to come back, and he goes, oh, come on, just tell me where the Jedi are, right? And she does. She says, you're going to go to this planet, use my name. And talk to Ahsoka Tano. When she said Ahsoka Tano, I got goosebumps. I won't go too... If you don't know who that is, I won't go too much into who that is. But she is a Jedi who's been in the Clone Wars, in Rebels. And she is beloved by lots of Star Wars fans. She's one of my favourite Star Wars characters of all time. And we're going to get to see her in the next episode. We, we fucking better, at least. We're going to get to see her in the next episode. And I think when I see her, I may cry. I don't know. I'm going to be very overwhelmed with emotions seeing Ahsoka in live action. I'm very, very excited. I cannot wait for next week. So excited. Anyway, yeah, so, you know, she, she honors her word, gives him directions. And then before he leaves, she genuinely, this time, says... This is the way. Gives him a little nod. She's like, I think we have a bit, like, there's a bit of unspoken mutual respect that has been formed. And I really love how that, their relationship in this episode ends that way. I really, really like that. We're definitely going to be seeing 
the three of them, the three Mandalorians again this season, 100%. I don't know when, but I think it'll be in the same episode where we see Moff Gideon again, I would imagine. Um, and that's pretty much the end of the episode. Um, while they were doing all of that, Mando left the child to be babysat by Frog Lady and Frog Man. Um, and oh, there's actually yeah, this, this when he when he leaves him there before they go to hijack the ship. He's like, right now, I'm going to leave you with these guys. And I need you to think about your manners. You need to be respectful. He's becoming more and more of a dad every episode. And I really, really love that. And then he, and he goes, you need to be respectful. And you know what I'm talking about. And he's talking about how in the previous episode, he could not do anything but eat their eggs. Right? Obviously, the frog lady never saw Baby Yoda eating any of their eggs. So she doesn't know what a risk he is. Right? But I, just love, I love that Mando was like, no, no, you're going to behave yourself, right? Just giving him a little a little stern warning, a little dad warning. I love that. And by the time Mando gets back to pick him up, one of the eggs is hatched and it's gone from a tadpole to a little half tadpole frog thing with a couple of little legs. And credit to him, Baby Yoda is behaving himself. He's like playing with it, but he's not trying to shove it in his mouth. And, and like, and I don't think he's doing it because now the frog parents might catch him. He's doing it because Mando told him to behave himself. So I think you know, he's like, "All right, Dad, I'll be, I'll be good." You know, I think that's why he wasn't trying to just shove it in his mouth like he was with all the other eggs, right? So that's really cute. Um, and then he, they get back to his ship, which he left to be repaired by this Mon Calamari mechanic, I guess. And I guess the joke is now that Mon Calamari are useless mechanics because Mando paid him a lot of money and the ship is still in an absolute mess of a state. Right? All these little bits are being held on by like fishing nets. Everything still has seaweed on it from when it was in the water. <laughs> like as they fly off, all these bits are still just falling off of the ship. So that's pretty funny. And, and that's about it. For the whole episode. So really, really, really great entry. This is another episode directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. She directed the episode in season one, um, episode, uh, episode four. It was where they go to that really lush green planet with the, you know, the, the krill farmers. And that was a real, I thought it was a really underrated episode. I thought this episode will not be underrated. This episode will be rated. This is a great episode. And I'm, after no other episode of The Mandalorian have I been as excited for the next. I cannot wait for next week and to see Ahsoka. I'm so fucking excited. It's going to be so good. All right, gang, that is another episode done and dusted. I really hope you enjoyed this one. Um, remember to... Like me on Instagram or follow me, I should say, on Instagram if you haven't already. You know, leave leave reviews on whatever platform you listen to. You know, stay stay in touch. I'm, I'm regularly updating things on Instagram all the time, whether it's about footy or movies or whatever. Um, I'm still I'm always doing a movie review every week. 
just about always on Thursday night, so stay tuned for those. And while The Mandalorian is still coming out, there'll be Mandalorian episodes on Friday nights every week, and then there'll be other episodes sprinkled throughout. So always stay tuned in. If you're subscribed on whatever podcast platform that you listen to, you'll get notifications when new episodes pop up, so you'll never miss one. But yeah, like things, share things, leave comments. I'd really appreciate it. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe out there. We're still, you know, Australia is doing very, very well at the moment. We're lucky. Other parts of the world are not. So make sure you make sure you're staying safe out there. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you next time. Bye.